0: We're going to see how this goes and we're just going to flow with it. Okay. Can you feel the difference of the energy? Yeah.
1: I can.
0: I know, me too. Um, before I got on, uh, so our ancestors are with us and I dropped uh, a couple of drops of lavender essential oil in my palms and basically just blessed myself to bless this podcast in, um, and then the, the line was so we could kiss the earth. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so, so good. <laughs> yeah. Hello, everyone. My name is Shaman Dao, and my spirit is Raven. I am one of the light bearers to the darkest elements of our earth plane, even though I was born into the lineage of Dao from my father's side. Coupled with my mother's intuitive gifts, my ancestors who protect me span the multiverse from my galactic council to my indigenous ancestors in Asia and North America. In feather pursuit, I have been led to heal select brothers and sisters from the Tlingit and Navajo tribes. And my co-host for our podcast is Mary. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Mary.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Mary Rivera. I am um, uh, a full-blooded Alaska native. My uh, culture, though, I am actually half Clinkit um, Indian from Southeast Alaska and half Chupac Eskimo from up north in the Bethel area. So um, in in my Clinkit culture... Um, my clan is Eagle and my subclan is Killer Whale. Um, I don't know much about my um, Chupik Eskimo side um, because we didn't grow up knowing my father really um, or his side of the family. Um, and so even though I'm a little bit familiar with my Tlingit culture, I don't really know a lot about that because my parents were more interested in drinking than than participating in, in any cultural activities. So, um, I am originally from Huna, uh, but my mother and the three of us girls moved to Juneau in 69 after my biological father uh, drowned. Mm-hmm. He was a, a gell netter, a fisherman. Um, and so after he died, we moved over here um, to Juneau and um, our life totally changed after that. <laughs> uh, my mom remarried a couple years later into, or she married a man. Uh, my stepfather was a, a, a raging alcoholic. Um, and of course she drank right along with him. So there was severe um, trauma growing up in my child, in my house.
0: So I will say, um, this is our first podcast of the native warrior and we are not holding back and we are going to roll straight into intergenerational trauma. Uh, as Mary introduced herself and her background, not only, uh, with her, the culture ethnicity with my ethnicity and culture but also our spirit and you said your spirit on the Tlingit is eagle is that right
1: yes (laughs) and and what I know of our Tlingit or what I've learned in our Tlingit culture is that to be balanced there has to be eagle raven um so when when someone is born in the Tlingit culture, it, it's based off of their mother's uh, lineage, mm-hmm. what their mother is. And so my mother was Eagle Killer Whale from, originally, her mother was from Rangel, um, from Chief Shake's house in Wrangell mm-hmm. um, And so that lineage is passed down to uh, through the women. Um, it's decided who... You know what clan and subclan you are. So, the the clans are eagle, raven. So I was born eagle, and my subclan is killer whale. Mm.
0: And my spirit is raven, and I was born raven. So we are a perfect match for this podcast. <laughs> uh, Mary, do you have your earphones by chance, or I do? You do. Could you could you plug it in because there was a there's a little bit more background noise. Oh okay. Please, I thank forgot you. about that. No okay. worries. Um so before we jump into straight into intergenerational trauma and the definition and the meaning of that especially within the native uh culture and tribes I wanted for both of us um to state our why we are speaking uh, together on this podcast um the why that what each of us would, um, want to come from the podcast and also just, you know, our why. So would you like to begin?
1: Uh, a why I'm doing tonight. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Or, or yes. Yeah. As a co-host.
1: Yes. Uh, sure. I can start. Okay. Uh, well, I actually started my healing journey when I first started sobering up in, uh, january of 2013 so i've been sober for eight years now um and as soon as i went through treatment um then i signed up for counseling afterward because i knew that i had to make a definite change and 2012 in my life was like a pivotal point um to where i had to decide whether i was going to uh, continue drinking and going down that path of destruction, mm-hmm. or um, I had to make the decision to change. And the only way that I knew how to stop drinking was go to treatment, and then I had to change all of my old behaviors and habits. And believe me, I'm still working on that. I, I don't feel like I've gotten very far. <laughs> I'm a long ways from where I used to be, but it is a lot of hard work. But the, the biggest work mm-hmm. was just getting over that, that challenge of trying to uh, even get to that point where I decided I needed to make a change because I was fine with drinking if if the legal system didn't get involved. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but can you can you tell everyone and share with us the catalyst that sparked the awareness of you wanting to shift to change from, from your really the familiar territory an environment that you grew up in, what sparked right. that?
1: Well, I just simply asked myself a question, which in my, throughout my whole life, I had pretty much operated as a robot and mm. didn't really, you know, I just needed to do what I, what I needed to do, to get, to get to the next moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked and, and drink and um so i was busy a lot but i didn't really have any structure Mm. and quit drinking and decided that sobriety is the most important thing because if i continued to drink i would have either ended up in jail or dead or um in the grave um it's yeah I knew at that point I needed to make a change, but I knew it also involved a lot of work. So I had to build up enough courage to get past that and 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 keep pushing forward, even though all I wanted to do was revert back to my old behavior <laughs>
0: because it was always too stressful. I was
1: overwhelmed.
0: It's it's easy to go back to our comfort zone. Yes. And um, going, stepping out of everything that we know, there's a lot of fear mm-hmm. involved. And right. yeah, so I could, I, I, I sense that and I, I've been there myself. So, mm-hmm. um, and so, but the very
1: first instance where I actually remember asking myself, you know, a question was, uh, I think I told you last night, Carol, mm-hmm. Um, I was watching a nature program uh, on killer whales because I'm killer whale. Mm -hmm. Um, And I made a comment to my partner back then, you know, about how I really appreciated the show and our our relationship was very dysfunctional and chaotic. And Mm -hmm. so just from that comment, you know, it turned into this full blown out, Um, arguing, yelling with each other, uh, pretty much I got to the point where I, where I got overwhelmed again and just started. And what I normally did, the old me would just shut down Mm -hmm. at that time. After we started arguing, I, I did the same thing. I shut down, started crying, except I was sitting in the recliner and I had my arm over my eyes so that I he couldn't see me, you know, because he was mm-hmm. sitting next, right next to me. And, and then a minute later, I, I made myself stop crying. crying. And then I thought, why? Why did I make myself stop crying? And then it was just like a light bulb went off. Um, <clears throat> sorry. No worries. Um I had real I had realized then that I was carrying all my old behaviors from childhood into adulthood. And that was when I um, realized that I wasn't like living a, a normal, you know, healthy in a healthy normal relationship for one, mm-hmm. and that my ways were very different. And not uh, very unhealthy. Mm. So it's... Sorry, no, cough. i No I worries. To Do out. you get,
0: get some, water? some water? Yeah, go get some water.
1: <laughs> and so it was at that point that I realized that I need to start taking a look at my life because I was very unhappy and I was still uh, drinking at that point. Um, but I knew I needed to eventually get back into treatment because I've been to treatment like six or seven times. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't my first go around, mm-hmm. but I knew I needed to get to treatment and I knew I wanted to get out of town to do that because um, it's very hard sobering up where you live because, mm-hmm. you know, want, want you to join them in party. And so I made the conscious decision to uh, go to treatment in Fairbanks, which is up north also, mm-hmm. uh, for 45 days. And then I even decided to stay from the end of January t- through um, the summer to work, mm-hmm. just so I made sure that I had enough cushion of sobriety before I came back to Juneau, because this is a big trigger point for me here. Mm-hmm.
0: And did you, when you came back to Juno, uh, did it did it trigger you to go for, from that particular um, stint in um, recovery in treatment? Did mm-hmm. you did when you went back to Juno, did you did it trigger you to relapse? Was this your first time that you're describing, or this is the six or seven? No,
1: all the other times in the past, um, I had come back. I'd gone to treatment um come back i mean and i mainly went to treatment just to satisfy the courts. okay <laughs> <laughs> but i knew this last time it had to be for me because i knew i had to sober up amen oh so, so that was why i decided to go out of town and stay out of town for a little while okay uh, just so that i knew that i had that uh little you know Christian of, of sobriety to to foundation to to land on um and so really when i came back to june i really wasn't um triggered no but i knew i had a lot of issues to work on okay a a lot of unresolved grief
0: there's so much awareness in your story and from what i hear in regards to your why you're sharing your story and it's a very It's a, it's a very heavy story that is uh, filled with trauma and toxicity, a lot of intergenerational traumas and behaviorisms. Um, so your why would be to share your story to help others who might be in your position.
1: Right. Uh, Which is exactly what I do want to do. And I'm looking forward to helping uh, my Native people because there are a lot of traumatized Native people here in town that I know of, um, but just Alaska Natives in general. There's mm-hmm. a high alcoholism rate and high suicide rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, my I was a binge drinker. I pretty much drank a lot of, you know, all of the natives, and you know that I know of, in, uh, drink pretty much the same way. They drink to to get drunk, mm-hmm. and drunk, you know, until the money's gone, which is exactly what my parents
0: did. Um, um, I, I I would like to inform um, just just inform everyone of the high rate of alcoholism and domestic violence and suicide rates in our nation. So in the United States of America, the highest rate of domestic violence, and I believe suicides, come from, are in Alaska.
1: Yes, that's what I've heard too.
0: And within Alaska, the domestic violence and the alcoholism and addiction and the suicide rates are within the Native communities. Mm hmm Okay. Yes. And from within Alaska, what I've heard from other natives, from other tribes, is that Juneau, with, with the native and Clinket mainly in Juneau, has a lot more suffering than a lot of the other regions of Alaska and I and I I heard that from a couple of other um, natives in Anchorage. Is that
1: oh, yeah, yeah? I hadn't heard that before, but I mean, it would make sense. There's yeah. There's
0: there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of trauma and darkness and heaviness, uh, especially in Juneau when I visited back in January of 2020. Is how me and Mary met and um and so i would like to roll into my why is that is that okay okay um so i myself i decided that um i i i believe that Our original healers of our uh, nation, the United States of America, have been oppressed and are slowly diminishing. And our original healers of our land are our natives. And because of the state of not only our nation and the world and how the disconnect between humans now are become, it's becoming further and further. Um, I believe those who are connected to the land have the most power. And as we venture into artificial intelligence and, um, And these frameworks that are accelerating at such a fast pace, um, that even the developers do not understand how these frameworks within the artificial intelligence, uh, the, their, their, their programs are even talking to each other. It's scary. And, So that was a spark for me to be like, where are our native healers of our land? And so, so that was one of the things that I, it sparked my, I was like, we need, we need to, we need to connect back with our native healers of our land. And, um, there's a story of, uh, it's a very famous, uh, inspirational story. It's about an elephant and the chain, And um, this man walks by a huge elephant that's tied to this dinky chain. And this elephant, this large elephant could just rip out, just move his leg and he could actually just run free. But the elephant was conditioned to uh, believe that if he was to move his leg, uh, he would get hit. There's, There's consequences to his actions. So as he grew up, And the bigger he got, the smaller his belief system became. So he didn't even realize that he was this magnificent, large animal that could trample all the people around him. He was conditioned to believe he was so small. And when I look at our natives and I look at uh, the original landowners, And I look at the three generations of our, the most, I'm going to say the most powerful healers in the United States of America. And I see how they have been conditioned to believe that they are really nothing. And they are just gathered in these reservations, just corralled like animals. And it got me pissed. I was so mad and I ended up calling <laughs> I ended up calling Mary and I was like Mary and I have been traveling for 6 years around the world um harnessing specific energy from energy vortexes very powerful energy vortexes in our world and um, learning different healing modalities, not only for myself, but, um, to help others through interdimensional traveling and journeying and stuff. So I believe, and I know within my heart and soul that in order really to heal our nation, we go back to the root cause of the turmoil of our uh, root cause of the turmoil. And that's back to the, to, the theft and genocide, the theft and genocide of this nation with the natives, and then help heal the natives, bring them forward. And so they could lead us really into salvation if they are willing to. And that is what I truly believe. I truly believe this with all my heart. Um, so, this is my why. <laughs> And, um, and my, my spirit, I, I, I was traveling and I was always, I've always felt connected. I always felt connected to different cultures around the world and spirit has led me specifically to the Clinket and also to the Navajo. And, um, I know that it's really difficult when you're in an environment that it just It's it's the same thing when you try to get sober, but you're still in the same environment. It's very difficult to get sober when you are still in the environment of friends and family drinking and triggers and things like that. You have to remove yourself from that environment. And I know that in order to begin the healing action of the natives within the homes, because it starts within the homes either they need to remove themselves or someone needs to come in from the outside to help assist, see a different way. And um, the Raven, the spirit of the Raven, it's, it's spirit is the Raven is a trickster. And then uh, as a trickster, it, it basically in uh, the clinket story of uh, the box, it's the uh, it's the box of sunlight, Uh, Yeah. And daylight, right. It was box in daylight, box of daylight. And, um, in the Clinkett story. So basically the world was dark and, um, the Raven tricked himself in, uh, it, and the person who was holding the boxes of the sun, the moon, and the stars and, um, stole the, those boxes and gave it to the world to bring light. And uh I've been to some of the heaviest energetic places in the world in complete darkness, um, that covered in black magic, alcoholism, addictions, domestic violence, abuse. And um through that process, especially being in Eastern Europe also and studying a tribe, um <laughs> it, they're, they're not necessarily a tribe, but they really are connected to the natives. Um i know that this is this is the path and this is the way and the native warrior podcast what myself and mary are wanting to do is to um talk about different ways that we can begin to help uh set forth action uh to heal um from the inside out as um people are slowly waking up and I, and I, we spoke about this last night and I do feel that there is a, it's like a, a slow, it's like a, it's like a little murmur of a rising up within the the native communities. Right. Right. I do sense that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm it's a, it's a slow and, and I, I feel it's, it's going to, it's going to keep, um, increasing and it's going to, it's going to gain traction. And so that's my why. And through both of our why's, uh, this is the, um, the result of myself and Mary from Juneau, Alaska to, um, do, these podcasts and these conversations once a week so we could put as much information tell our stories um tell other stories inform bring awareness to awaken um to heal so and and Mary um you would be you're an elder right yes i'm almost 16 Almost 60 and what's the, what's the cutoff? I mean, what's the beginning age to be called an elder? That's
1: a good question. I would say uh, anybody who has gray hair,
0: (laughs) then I would be an elder too.
1: (laughs) It's usually when, when I, when, when, they have potlatches, Mm -hmm. people uh, serve the elders Mm -hmm. again plates and take them to the elders so the elders don't
0: have to stand in line Mm -hmm. and so um and you get served plates right yes I
1: I just recently dyed my hair
0: (laughs) so you so that covers the gray (laughs) yes (laughs) because I also found
1: out that I'm experiencing uh racism discrimination I'm going to apply for other jobs
0: Are you really? Yeah.
1: I would like to get back to Tlingit and Bida eventually.
0: Okay. Would you like to share your experience about experiencing racism?
1: Oh yeah. I, so I, throughout my uh, working career, I've worked in the admin, you know, clerical uh, secretarial admin assistant fields Mm. and, and I'm, uh, an excellent admin assistant,
0: mm-hmm. you know?
1: but applying for other jobs, otherwhere, in other other state offices, especially, it's like I, I know that they take a look at they took a look at my hair, and even though they didn't say anything. And told me after the interview that you know another co- more qualified candidate was selected. I know it was because of my age. <laughs> oh, no,
0: that's called ageism. I learned. Yes, yes, I, I learned that they if it's because of your age, it's ageism. And so I think I'm
1: trying to fool them by coloring my hair. <laughs> <laughs> but I plan once I get another job to, to color it back to silver.
0: <laughs> You're you. Know, it's that. Like, but that's the trickster side is my side, and the eagle side. Yes. What what is the eagle? Uh, so with the raven is a trickster. What is the eagle?
1: The eagle. Uh, I have never learned of any real significance other than it's what our national bird. Or. Hmm. It's just the clans from the Clinkit culture. So either you're born into the Eagle or the, the Raven clan, and it's depending on your mother's lineage. So my mother was Tlingit, uh, killer whale. So all of us kids, even if we had a, a male, would have been Eagle killer whale. Mm-hmm. And, when, and that, the reason why that's important is because when we get married, mm-hmm. recommended to, uh, marry the opposite clan
0: yeah yeah
1: don't know who your cousin is
0: (laughs) (laughs) so let's let's talk let's roll into the intergenerational trauma so i learned about the term intergenerational when i was um in in juno and uh Intergenerational was not intergenerational trauma was not spoken and um, written. You wouldn't see much of that term on social media or anything like that. Uh, in, it was it was nowhere really to be found January of 2020. And what's really interesting is over the course of the last year and a half, generational trauma has kind of been trending in a way and um but it, i've never seen the term intergenerational trauma and behaviorisms until i was in alaska and what that means is it's just basically generational traumas and behaviorisms that carry on from your parents and your grandparents and your great 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 grandparents who are raising their children uh in their the ways of um the original the great 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 grandparents and it just passes on generation to generation and You said earlier that your mom, she drank a lot. Is that right?
1: She drank growing up my whole um, childhood and didn't quit until after I was out of the house and married. I think she actually quit about 30 years ago.
0: Did your grandparents drink too? They did,
1: not as often. But mm-hmm. remember when I was younger and I first moved to Juneau, that uh, we would go to the bars to see them. And I just remember going there. Okay. Um, but they didn't drink very often. I think my uh, I think my grandfather more had the tendency to. be an alcoholic than my grandmother but i mean they both drank and and all of my um, aunts and uncles did too um the only aunt that i know that i didn't never saw drinking was my oldest aunt violet um but then my mother you know said that she 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 used to drink um but i i grew up that was all i saw was binge drinking and in Amongst my family and my cousins all of the natives I knew
0: did you did you guys have parties and oh, parties, yeah. yeah, parties to drink oh, yeah. and okay, heavily,
1: yeah, so my parents would go out uh, to the bar and get drunk and leave us home, you know, leave me in charge of the, all the the three younger kids because I was the oldest. Uh,
0: How and, old were you at that time? Uh, I was, they
1: got married in 72, so I was 10. Okay. Um, But, you know, they would go out to the bars after we fell asleep and just leave us at home by ourselves and come home drunk. And I I remember waking up and, and to parties after bar closing.
0: And that carried on into your life. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, after I got married of course I drank for the first year and then my husband at the time was going to leave me with my son and I begged him not to and I went to treatment here in Juneau for 28 days and stayed went to AA every day for six months after that and then I just placed religion with um, AA and kind of went that route so even though I was previously sober for 16 years while I was married and my never, my kids never really saw me drink when they were young. They did see me drink that when I started drinking again in 98 after my sister killed herself, mm-hmm. it just broke me. So I, I, I started drinking again after 16 years of sobriety. And, and in 98 and didn't quit again until 2013, but I was ready to, to, to give up on life and, and drink for the rest of my life. You know, I just didn't have any motivation or hope for anything.
0: Do your, do your kids drink heavily now or? My son drinks every now and then. Okay. But,
1: um, he's slowly getting out of that. Okay. Uh, my daughter lives in Washington. She doesn't drink or smoke or,
0: do anything. Oh good. Okay. Yeah. Well that's good. Mm-hmm. Breaking that chain. Breaking that chain of intergenerational oh, yeah. trauma. I have I have this. I wonder if you can hear it. Let me let me play it for you. Hold on.
1: That was what I was always proud of was breaking the chain. Uh when I had started my sobriety back then. Mm-hmm. Celebrated silently. It was like every anniversary. I was like, yes, I am breaking the chain. Mm-hmm. And it's a heavy <laughs> you know, chain. It's a heavy chain. Yeah. It's a heavy first, chain. Obviously, the first biggest stressor in my life my sister
0: dying,
1: and you know, it broke me. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I yeah, mean, I it, it's it's very honorable and admirable that you are sharing your story too many people out there who don't see or feel any hope. And um, because there's a way, and you just, I feel you just have to make the choice and spirit will always show you. Go ahead.
1: Absolutely, Mm -hmm. the first step is to make the choice to change.
0: And it's, and sometimes you're going to revert back and you're going to take three steps forward and two steps back, but you just have to keep on going and you, you have, yeah, you just have to make that choice and stick with it to change. And I, and I hear you because I, I've, I also was in love with cocaine when I was in my twenties. And, um, I, I had a very addictive personality. And, um, so I grew up, uh, in a Vietnamese culture where, uh, there's something called niao, which is parties all the time. And, and the drinking bottles of Remy and Hennessy and, and that as I step out, I stepped out of my own culture and then of my own, the own environment, that environment, I was like, that's called alcoholism. (laughs) It's not just parties, but it was a part of my culture and my upbringing. And I was always the odd one out and I was always doing my own thing and stepping out of uh, my own environment and everything. So I, I definitely understand and I could relate. Um, to a lot of people's stories in regards to growing up in an environment that um, just, it was normal. It was, it was our normal. And until we were given a spark of awareness, we can just continue that toxic, toxic normal, normalcy. Um, so I'm very, very happy that you are you have and you are taking the steps and putting in the work for your higher self, really, Mary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's so good. Okay. So um this was our first podcast and it's basically our introduction. And uh now everyone knows the reason why we are starting this amazing podcast called the Native Warrior podcast and um as as we myself and Mary we begin the process and we take these steps and and we you know put forth the effort we'd love for any type of objective feedback objective criticism whatever it may be to help us help you. Um, And what we would love to do is for those listening, um, especially because the native communities are so, um, I I believe really closed off from like a lot of, of closed off from like the rest of the world or just in insulated bubbles. There's a lot of bubble living within the native communities. Is that right, Mary? Yes. Okay. So we'd like to offer some tips at the end uh, of the podcast to help assist in the emotional body healing. Uh because I specialize in um finding the root cause of turmoil in the healing of each of my clients, uh going to the root cause usually it we're going to the uh, first and foremost the emotional body and that's through the root of the feeling of fear, anger, sadness, guilt, and shame. And when we can get to the root of those lower vibrational emotions to neutralize the meaning given to the experience of the first time fear, anger, sadness, or guilt, or shame was felt, we could actually give a new meaning to it. And this is what we want to do. We want to neutralize the, the feelings of anger and guilt and fear and sadness and shame within specifically the native communities and tribes so we can give a new meaning to each one of those experiences to bring Everyone forward in the process of healing, uh, emotional meant. And so emotional healing will domino into mental and physical healing. The physical body is the lowest vibrational layer of our uh, esoteric body layers. And so, with that being said, when you work from the inside out, everything else is a piece of cake. And myself and Mary spoke about this yesterday and the first step really is you need to want it, right? Mary, you need to want it bad enough to change. Cause that was the biggest
1: hurdle that I had was, yes, I knew I wanted to change, but I couldn't get over the hurdle to make the changes because I knew it was a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And um, what I wasn't aware of at the time back then was that I uh, was often re-triggered and so that's what made me go back to my old behaviors mm-hmm. now I'm aware of that and kind of work with it a little bit more and get a little bit further but that that was that is what took me the longest to get over was the hurdle of Actually making the decision that, yes, I need change in my life and I have to change everything. <laughs> I remember when I, uh, when I first started going ever to AA and someone said that, the only thing that you have to change is everything. I remember just getting so pissed and sitting there. And I don't remember why. I know now why I got pissed, but I I just remember sitting there getting pissed because I knew it was a lot of work. Damn it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys hear that? You need to want it. Everyone, you need to want it. And it there's, you have to put in the effort. It is not easy, but myself and Mary, we are living examples We, uh, myself, I have come from, I grew up in a very traumatic, uh, family upbringing. And I, and I will say that I chose to be the catalyst for change for my family as Mary is doing for her family. And when we have chosen to be the catalyst for change for our generational, intergenerational traumas and behaviorisms, it is not easy. It is not easy at all. But we made the choice before we were born in this life. Uh, We signed on that dotted line, which was each of our soul contracts. And there are many people I know listening to this that this is going to trigger something inside of you because you know as well as myself and Mary that this is meant to happen right now. Right now, you are listening to my voice, my words. And um, I was thinking about going into hypnotic meditation. So, uh, uh, and so like just listening to my words and it's it's triggering something inside of you, let it trigger Because the triggers that happen within us, those are for us to lean inward, to understand. Triggers happening inside of us are not for anybody else outside. You better thank the person outside who is triggering you. You can thank me later. And so you can basically thank everyone who's triggering you. So you lean inward inward. And you face whatever it is that's happening inside of you so you could ri- rise up. And that is that. You need to win it. Any any last words you would like to share, Mary, before we sign off?
1: Well, like I said, that, that was just the biggest decision, you know, I had to make. Because 2012 was really pivotal in my life. I knew that if I didn't make changes, um, that I was going to take my life. And I, I didn't want to go down the same path that I, my sister took. I knew how much pain that I had brought. Um, and so even though I begrudgingly decided to change, it's been
0: so worthwhile. <laughs> I'm so happy that you made the decision. And that we could be here at this moment together. Uh, And then later on, myself and Mary, we are going to share how we met. And that story in itself is an absolute miracle. It's funny in in divine alignment, but it was a miracle in itself. So um, I wish everybody well. Uh, Please be safe. Be well. Be joyful. Hmm. And blessed be.